welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Welcome in to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. To all our listeners here, Joe, excited to talk to you because we have a lot of state action coming up. Uh, we have a bunch of region champions. We had a bunch of uh, good performances already in some state tournaments and the tennis and the track. But I want to lead off with softball because that's where we have two region winners here in softball. And I want to begin with Fort Defiance. All right, so let's focus on the Fort Defiance Indians who won Region 3C. We are now joined by Coach Todd Wood from Fort Defiance Softball. Coach, you know, you've been coaching there, what, five, six years? I'd have to say this last week has has definitely been one of the highlights for you uh, there at Fort Defiance. Yes, sir, it has. To win the regional championship, to beat TA for the third time, you know, it's hard to beat them, period, but to do it three times, that it was big. Yeah, and, and you've done a lot of close games here. I mean, the semifinal, you had uh, Lillian Berry, who I know we'll talk more about here in a second. She hit that big game-winning three-run home run to come from behind in the bottom of the seventh. But also that TA game was a come-from-behind victory there, too. So a lot of close games, and your team's been able to handle that well, playing under that pressure and, and playing with it all on the line. Yes, sir. Yeah, they've came back. It's probably been four games this year. They've came back in either the bottom of the sixth at home or the seventh you know, away. Yes, sir. So we want to talk about what you kind of touched on hard to beat TA. You guys did not shy away from a tough non-district schedule. How much do you think that has helped your team in these tough game scenarios, knowing like I get Spotswood, you know, we're down here, got to score runs, but they just don't give up. How much do you think that plays into the tough schedule and how much of that is, you know, just the culture you have built there at your time at Fort Defiance? Well, I think a lot of it is the tough schedule, and then I think it's the leadership of the team. You know, with nine seniors, there's a lot of experience, a lot of leadership, and, you know, they don't give up. And, you know, looking at the ride they've been on, I know you're, you're senior loaded, um, not that you don't have some underclassmen help, but, you know, it's the same group of girls that last year with the modified postseason where Region 3C was only able to send one to the state championship, and you guys lost a very close – a game to a really good Rustburg team, really good pitcher at Rustburg last year. You know, was was that any discussion this year? Was trying to, you know, remembering that feeling and trying to um, do the opposite and get past that? Or was it, you know, fully out of your mind and, and moving on fresh this year? Well, I'm not going to lie to you. It was on my mind, but we've had the <laughs> mentality to be one game at a time. I, I like the honest one. answer. I really yes, appreciate everybody always coach speak that, oh, no, we weren't even thinking about it. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but no, we're one game at a time, but I'm not going to lie, it was on my mind. I'm sure it was theirs also. So looking ahead to the state tournament and what lies ahead, uh, you know, I know your girls are going to be ready for that game. Uh, what do you? What is the mentality in that locker room now that you finally got into that state tournament? Um and how do you keep them motivated to not just be happy with getting to the state tournament, but trying to win a state championship? Well, it's just, it's going to be tough. Uh, the, I don't, I don't know how to say it that, like I said, it's, it's one game at a time. They just, they practice. Well, we'll only take it one game at a time. I don't know what else to say there. I, I know when I was coming through sports uh, in high school, uh, I had one coach who'd walk in the locker room and says, if, if you guys aren't excited right now, then, I can't help you. So I imagine that's going to be the, 
you know, something close to that on Tuesday is I don't think you'll have to worry about pumping them up. I bet they're, they're ready to go hosting uh, Cave Spring in the state quarterfinal. I mean, just so awesome of a moment for a team here in Augusta County. And Fort Defiance has had so much great history. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. But, no, they are pumped. And they was very excited the other night. They know they get one more last home game. So, yeah, the excitement's there. Yes, sir. So, you know, Lillian Barry obviously ends up being the headline player for you um, because she comes up in the big moments. You know, there's been a lot of talk about her recruiting. uh, And now she's headed to Penn State. Um, You know, talk about her, but, you know, also some of your other team leaders that have, uh, you know, got you to this undefeated uh, point in the season. Lily, Lillian's, she's a big asset. She's a great pitcher, great hitter. You know, she, she tries to stay positive, keep everybody else positive. Kirby Ransom, she's came up huge too, third baseman, defensive and offensively. I don't want to leave nobody out, but McKenna Mace has been big. And then Abby Campbell had a huge hit against TA the other night to tie it three to three in the, in the sixth to get us started. And that's and what she's I've been, a junior and another pitcher yeah. also. And that's what I've been excited to see here. Um, you know, some of the highlight uh, lines from on Twitter or in the paper uh, talking about your leaders. I know the seniors probably get most of the comments, but there is still some underclassmen, and it, and it shows the strength of the program you've built there. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah, Bailey Blaylock, she started every game but one at shortstop, and she had a huge hit the other night. She's a junior. So – Wanted to talk about, you know, go back to the state semifinal that is coming up, or excuse me, state quarterfinal that is coming up. Um, I know you said one game at a time. Yeah, hopefully, but <laughs> I don't. I know you're not looking ahead. Coach, yeah, I know you're not looking ahead, but you said one game at a time. Well, that next game is Cave Spring. Um, what are the main concerns for folks that might be listening and aren't familiar with Cave Spring? What are the concerns or what are the people you're looking to have to shut down? What do they bring to the table? Um. Uh, I don't want to single out nobody, but their top four hitters from what we've seen is real good, not taken away from the other five. Their pitcher is good, and they're a very scrappy team and well-coached. Well, it should be a great one out at Fort Defiance on Tuesday night. Really excited for you guys to be able to host that. Uh, you know, getting outside of softball, we always like to, you know, ask our guests something outside of, of the reason we brought them on. Uh, I want to ask you, you know, when you're away from the softball field, you know, what's something that interests you? What are what some of your pastimes away from the softball field that helps you get your mind off the stresses of, of coaching this Fort Defiance uh, uh, softball team? I love drag racing. Oh, yeah? Yes, sir, and being with my family and then, you know, drag racing. So are you out there at Eastside? I go to Eastside places in North Carolina, South Carolina, right. and other places in Virginia, but – Bristol Dragway is our favorite. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Sir? That was going to be my next question was where was your favorite, but you already (laughs) beat me to it with Bristol. Okay. Yeah, well, July the 4th, I'll be racing at Bristol, and that's a family vacation, and we love it there. The atmosphere, the racing, everything. Yes, sir. Well, no, not shying away from pressure or, uh, you know, high-anxiety sports there between the – drag racing not even you know lawn races the the quick races and here with the softball we we really enjoyed having you on here good luck to you the rest of the way hopefully a couple more games uh, or a few more games whatever uh means you win it all but we're rooting for you and we'll be following right along i appreciate it and thank y'all so much thank Thank you coach. coach yes sir
So Joe, I mean, thanks again there to coach for coming on, but Joe, we talked about, you know, the tough schedule that Fort Defiance had this season and that includes Riverhead softball and, and Buffalo gap softball, both teams still alive. They faced each other in the region B uh, championship, one B championship. So they'll both advance there to the States where Riverheads, they'll be able to host on Tuesday night and they're going to have Chincoteague coming this way on Tuesday night. And, and this Riverheads team has been a really strong team this year. If it's not for Fort Defiance's undefeated season, we're probably talking about them as the top team around here. But Fort Defiance undefeated won the district. And, uh, you know, I think this is ironing, sharpening, or hardening iron or whatever the phrase is here, uh, where we have these, you know, top three teams is how I kind of looked at it here with Buffalo Gap still alive. I know Wilson and Stewart's Draft also had their strengths. But I'm just excited for these teams to still be available uh, for state playoff contention. And especially, you know, my homerism here with Riverheads being able to host. Yeah, and look, they've got a lot of work to do, obviously, and still. I mean, we're happy that Riverheads wins the region. We're happy that Buffalo Gap is in there as well. And, you know, as you said, we got Fort Defiance. They're hosting. We want to see them continue to dominate, though. And Fort Defiance, you, you heard it from Coach Wood, Cape Spring, very good team. So even though they're the host, they got some work to take care of on Tuesday. And we'll be rooting on the ladies. But the Shandoah District in softball was very good because you had Buffalo Gap, Riverheads, Fort, even Draft uh, looked pretty solid at certain points of the year as well. And I think uh, what we're looking at now is just the ability for some of these teams to continue to stay hot. Riverheads, as you mentioned, is hosting. But, man, the way Buffalo Gap has played at points this year, you wouldn't be shocked to see both these teams meeting in the state semifinal. Yeah, and and uh, they actually wouldn't see each other till the state final if Ooh, both so they Gap changed, and Riverheads okay, are change. able to advance. I, it's a little different in the different sports. It just depends. I know yeah. I think soccer stays straight, uh, but uh, there's the crossover in the diamond sport. So um, yeah, Buffalo Gap and Riverheads. I remember making the note at one point, maybe middle of April, um, maybe end of April, when you know we still wondered if there was a chance of anybody catching Fort Defiance because mm-hmm. you know you're trying to make a competitive discussion about the district there. And Buffalo Gap and Riverheads were the two teams that kind of tested for it the most. So it really doesn't surprise me, even though they lost those games, that here's two teams that are battle-tested, know what it takes to face a really good team and, and play with them and then play in the same area as them uh, on the scoreboard. But then, you know, come down to crunch time, get these big wins in Region 1B, and, and that gives me confidence in them here in the state tournament. Uh, Riverheads against Chincoteague, Buffalo Gap against Rappahannock. They have to go to Rappahannock, and that's – uh, both the baseball team and the softball team will be traveling to Rappahannock on Tuesday. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting there. But also looking ahead, because, I mean, this podcast is a once-a-week thing. Um, if our local teams are able to advance, I'm not trying to jinx them, but if Fort Defiance able to advance, New Kent, William Monroe winner would be who they would face, I believe, Friday. And and uh, that's at um, Spotsylvania County Schools, so somewhere over there. <laughs> and then – Riverheads, if they're able to advance Eastside um, or Fort Chiswell winner, that's who they would face in Salem on Friday. And if Buffalo, Buffalo Gap is able to advance, Auburn or Lebanon would be uh, the winner of that game would be who Buffalo Gap is able to face. And then all those finals on Saturday at the respective sites, Class 1 uh, in Salem, Class 3 in Spotsylvania County Schools. Um, so I, I'm excited about the week of softball because we, we have plenty of teams to, to cheer for uh, all week. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, 
them keeping the Region B teams on opposite ends of the bracket until the state yeah. final. I actually prefer that when the VHSL has that format because I think, you know, if the two best teams in the state happen to be from the same region, have them meet in the state championship. That, you know, I think that's I, what makes the most sense. I like that correction there. I think they went away from that mm-hmm. for a little period coming out of those um, – you know, 16 seeded East and West. And then they were, they had cross division and they had a lot of teams traveling a long ways. And I think they got scared of that. So they, they went away from crossing them up. But when you're talking about state playoffs, I mean, you're only crossing so many teams and especially at the semifinal range where everybody's going to a neutral site. Anyway, I, I love that they're crossing them there. That really allows for, you know, an area that's very strong in a certain sport to win. I hope they do that on the soccer side as well. Cause I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not the way it's set up right now. Right. Well, and also with like A and B typically being closer and C and D typically being closer to each other, like you're really only crossing one time. So I I agree with you. I think it makes the most sense. Plus, And plus the neutral site just absolutely takes it out of the equation. But sure. Moving over to baseball. uh, We do have a couple state qualifiers there. We have uh, Buffalo Gap. Uh, They get to the region one B uh, championship. They do fall to Rappahannock County, but it was a big game at Riverheads in the semifinal. I was up there for that game and just a lot of emotion on the field. And, and you know, a grand slam pretty much was the difference in that game. It took all the momentum away from Riverheads uh, in a close ball game and, and really just handed it to Gap from there where they were able to work with a lead and, you know, gave up, I think, only one more run after that. And so really did a good job taking care of business there. Uh, you know, those teams split during the regular season. So it was interesting to see what they were going to do in the postseason there. Uh, but, yeah, Buffalo Gap does get to that state um, tournament, and they will face uh, at Rappahannock, like I mentioned, both softball and baseball headed that way. And then the winner of that game would face the winner of Grayson and Lebanon. Yeah, and we're hoping Buffalo Gap can find a way as the number two seed in Region B to find a way to get back into that state semifinal, maybe even get into the state championship again. It's one of those weird things where you lose to Rappahannock County. Now you're playing Rappahannock, who's in an entirely different region, and <laughs> someone's going to have yeah. to explain that to me because that doesn't make sense. We're not even near each other either. No, uh, it's just so. it's weird. Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, you know, it's there's like 500 schools named Liberty, so. And I like the opportunity for Buffalo Gap here. I mean, this is their first time in the state tournament for baseball. So I like this, you know, initial opportunity. And, uh, you know, when I was in high school, I played on a team that was kind of the first to ever do it. And so I like that for these students out there at Buffalo Gap, kind of being the first uh, to, you know, set a new bar for baseball at Buffalo Gap. And, you know, during the season, there was times where they looked really strong, especially early, and their bats were going. And then they had a down stretch, and, and, and they didn't really close the regular season that super. But here they woke up with the bats – uh, up until this region championship game, uh, yeah, they got to get back to that. They're, they're gonna—I don't think they're gonna outpitch anybody, so I think they're gonna have to use the bats to outhit another team. And you know, we've been watching a lot of college baseball this weekend with some high scores where both teams have high scores. I think Buffalo Gap might be needing to win some games like that here uh, at the state tournament. I, I think they're gonna have to, you know, keep up to what these other teams are doing. Yeah, you're right, and uh, they—they've definitely relied a lot on their offense, and they're gonna be hoping that continues, but. I also want to touch on another team that kind of surprised us, Stewart's draft, upsetting Madison in the semifinals to get into a region championship. They're on a roll. They came up just short in that region championship, but, you know, they get to advance to a state tournament anyway. They'll take on Pocosin, and who knows what happens there. I mean, they've already kind of surprised us by getting this far, and uh, we'll keep rooting on the Cougars as well. Another team that's looked strong at different times this season. So, uh, you know, not a complete shocker, but I do think the more surprising of this. You know, I, I went into that Riverheads-Buffalo Gap game to say in on the podcast last week, 
because um, I believe it was already set up then. But I know maybe off air, I said to you, either one of these teams can win that semifinal. But I really, um, you know, I think either one will represent that district well in the state tournament. Here's Stewart's draft where I wasn't as confident about that. I wasn't no. as confident about them knocking off the number one seed Madison County team who didn't have many losses. And uh, then knock and then, you know, battle the number two team there in Buckingham. So I have a lot of faith that they'll they'll battle here in the state tournament as well. And this is a program that's not, you know, far off from having a lot of postseason success. It was only, you know, 18 and 19 where they were very strong. I know not a lot, not the same players now, but, you know, that program has stayed at a high level. And uh, I know Coach Hinkle coming in was able to use that to his advantage. And and I think we're seeing that now with these big postseason wins and, um, and, and doing things like that through through the stretch of the season there. So I'm really excited for Stewart's draft, too. If they're able to win on Tuesday at Pocosin, they would take on the winner of Appomattox Gate City. And, again, that would be at Salem. And then both these baseball championships also in Salem on Saturday. So a lot of good diamond sports to watch this week uh, on top of the college baseball that we've been watching all weekend. But here's a lot of high school baseball we can focus on scores or get out to a game for. Right. We should also mention, you know, we want to congratulate. I know their season's over, but Wilson Memorial, pretty good year yeah. as well. They got into a region semifinal and just ran into a, an excellent team in Spotswood. And uh, Spotswood ended up winning that one 8 nothing. And then just to show you how good LCA has been this year, and we have talked about how deep 3C is as a region, LCA beat Spotswood 13 nothing. So um, it's an incredibly hard region to get out of. And uh, unfortunately for Wilson, they come up just short, but still a good season there for the Green Hornets. Yeah. And then, you know, you can look at LCA. They played uh, Spotswood there. I know Spotswood's happy for the cross bracket there uh, because they don't wouldn't have to face LCA again until a state championship. So allow them to go as far as they could hope without, you know, meeting that loaded team that hasn't given up a run in a few games there and put up a plenty of themselves. So. You know, something to watch there in 3C. I always find 3C so competitive. So even when our teams are out of it in 3C in a lot of sports, I'm still kind of paying attention to what we're getting there because uh, there is so so many state championships come out of 3C. All right, moving over to boys and girls soccer, and that's where we have Riverhead still alive in both. Now, on the girls' side, you know, only two teams in the region. So, you know, kind of just by existing, they're able to advance to the state tournament because both – uh, Riverheads and Alta Vista, who they beat eight nothing in the uh, Region One B final there on Tuesday. They both get to advance to the state tournament, um, and that's where Riverheads they'll take on uh, a Northampton team. They'll get to host them, eleven four uh, Northampton team coming to Greenville on Tuesday. And you know, I I would assume Northampton is a very good team that's going to really challenge Riverheads a lot, um, but. You get to this point, you get to one game, you get them traveling across the state, and Riverheads, you know, has to be ready to take advantage of anything that's lacking there in Northampton's in and see what they can do and, and see what they can turn up. In a, in a classification for girls' soccer where, you know, this region, the classification one, you know, doesn't even field a region D, only fields two teams in region B. So I'm not really looking at this as the deepest uh, classification here in, in girls' soccer. Yeah, I mean – you and I talked off air about it already, but it, there are some sports, especially that just need to combine regions or classifications one and two, I think. And um, I, I honestly would be happier to see the VHSL go to four classifications as a whole. Uh, but I think that gets rid of this problem that you run into with some of these sports where, yeah, like you said, girls soccer, I mean, there's two teams, right? In one B, yeah, yeah, it's it's just frustrating. And so Auburn, 
Auburn probably sitting there in Region C uh, in the Eastmont. Uh, they're probably you know two of the the two favorites in this classification. And uh, you know Riverheads would have to see the winner of Auburn. Um, would I think I have to see Auburn there? Um, I have a weird note there. If uh, if they're able to advance. And Auburn's very strong in especially girls' spring sports, but all spring sports. Auburn is very strong. Auburn's kind of strong in a lot of sports. That's why they win. A, I don't know what they call it now. I don't, I'm not sure if it's a Capital One anymore, but, you know, there's like the, the point system for all the sports. And I know Auburn has won it in Class One multiple times. So, you know, seeing Auburn out there for Riverheads does uh, open your eye as a fan, but I know the players will come ready to face them. Uh, let's look at um, – at the boys' side here, where the boys' soccer also able to advance. And they did a little different than the girls. They actually, you know, had to play a quarterfinal game, had to play a semifinal game, and then had to play a championship game. And they win all three, I think nearly doubling their wins on the season just this week. And so they're on a bit of a run here where they beat Surrey, beat Appomattox Regional Governor School. It was a 13-1 and team. They beat them last week. And then beat Galileo two to one to win the region. So they have played games, multiple games to win this region. And now they uh, are lined up to face a, um, yeah, they're going to face a Northampton team there. And if able to win that Lebanon or Auburn, again, there's another Auburn team right there. So, you know, this is a team that's, you know, won a couple games when it matters. And uh, you know, that's, that's what playoffs are about. And that's, you know, why I get frustrated with your soccer talk is when uh, you know, this, there's there's not these playoffs that I'm used to in American sports. Here's playoffs that have given Riverheads an opportunity to you know take the lessons they learned during the regular season against you know strong teams like Wilson and Stanton um, and Fort and, and everybody that finished ahead of them in that district and, and take those lessons and make them pay off in the postseason. And and that's a great lesson for these players. Yeah, I mean. I mean, they beat a 13 and one team. I know, I know where your hesitation is there, but they beat a 13 and one team who, who played 14 games at least and only lost one of them. And, and Riverheads had similar amount of games and only won. Well, like, my, my so thing is I, when you're comparing, you know, European soccer doesn't have playoffs and this is why they need playoffs. No, it's not why they need playoffs. It's, I'm not aiming for that argument right now. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to say that's one, you're talking about different classifications in, in this instance, but. <laughs> Uh, two, it's just, it's a different bear altogether, but, um, Hey, when it benefits the team that I root for, I like the system. Yeah. Look, I don't want to take anything away from the boys, right? They're, they're winning when it matters most and they found a way to get in, but I want to know the movie line, the movie script that's coming out of this. Like there has to be something that happened, uh, like a week ago that, that sparked a change in this team. You know, I I will say similar to what we said about the girls though, about there only being two teams, like there's not enough boys programs to keep you know a one in or a what was it one in 13 team out yeah it's region 1b where everybody gets in and yeah that's been the like, case for years now yeah I, if i'm mathematics region or regionals governor school i mean i get it you lost so you can only be so mad but man if that's not frustrating to have a team that didn't have to perform well all regular season still make the playoffs and then be able yeah. to beat you yeah, there's no early betting to, you know, get the bad bad hands out of the way here in Region 1B. So, yeah, I'm excited for Riverheads. I'm, I'm excited that we at least have one boys soccer team still in it and and that have a hope, and we'll see what they can do. They'll host that game. That should be exciting. I'm hoping to make it out to Riverheads on Tuesday night because there will be plenty of action going on. 
uh, between softball and I believe two soccer games. Um, but it does move me to tennis where we've already gotten into the state tournament and we have Riverheads that has already uh, performed well on the girls' side. They won on Friday to advance and now they will take on uh, this team on Tuesday to be able to, uh, I think Middlesex is who they beat on Friday. They'll be able to um, play on Tuesday, and it, it looks like a favorable matchup for them on Tuesday. So they could even advance to the later in the week matches for the team at uh, Virginia Tech. So really exciting for girls tennis there. And then also over on the boys' side, and this is a region where they combine uh, two and one there, and Riverheads won region 2B playing against Stewart's draft. So showing the strength there of, you know, what Wilson has uh, beat everybody else into. Here's two teams that, you know, take their lumps from Wilson all season, and um, they're able to advance to face each other in the region. Now both of them in the state tournament. Riverheads, um, they do fall, though, in the state tournament to Pocosin, and Stewart Straff falls to Bruton in the state tournament. But still, a nice run for them to take on all of 1B and in, or all of 2B and any 1B teams that exist out there and get this local matchup in the region final. Yeah, and obviously when it comes to tennis, like you said, this is one of those sports where they combine and Riverheads is competing against schools that are larger than them, and they've got to find a way to to overcome that. But so far, the boys have been able to do that, which is great. And, um, yeah, I mean, look, we've got Stewart's draft in the state tournament as well. Yeah, losing to I know they lose, yeah. but yeah. to have two programs from the Shandoah district in the boys' tennis uh, at that same classification is phenomenal. It shows you how strong that region is. And then on the class three side, you know, Wilson, no yeah. surprise to see them cruising through uh, on the boys side. And I actually don't remember Wilson winning a lot of regions these last couple of years. They've blown through the regular season these last couple of years, but it seems like they've always, you know, in that strong three C coming up uh, short um, a couple times here. I'm, I'm not guaranteeing where they've made it to in past seasons, but I, I believe last year they didn't make it. So here they are advancing to that state tournament. They will have a Monday night matchup against LCA. So they're able to advance as a team, but I do want to talk about some of the individuals that are able to advance in class three, Wilson Memorial does have Pullen Miller in the doubles able to advance and they will be able to fight it out at Virginia Tech later in the week on Thursday on those tech uh, tennis courts. But then also Riverheads re represented in some of the individual action as well as, as along with their team that they hope to keep on advancing as um, Swats is able to advance as an individual. And then also you have his doubles team um, with Higgins able to advance. And so they'll play this Thursday at Virginia Tech as well. So uh, tennis, you know, action on Thursdays for these individual, Thursday this week for the individuals. And then the singles finals are on uh, Saturday with the doubles happening before that on Friday. So a lot of a lot of good representation there against the Wilson team that dominated the regular season who has for the last couple of years. But then also the, uh, you know, Riverheads with some individuals there. And then the girls tennis at, at Riverheads able to keep on advancing as well. Yeah. Nothing but uh, the best of luck to all the athletes representing this area in the state tournament in uh, tennis as well. But I want to direct us back to track now. Uh, we had yeah. quite a few state champions in track. Definitely. And, and going uh, from class one, where we had Summer Wallace get two state championships and uh, finish in the top three, I believe, in uh, five events. So she continues her domination even as she goes up the ladder to the state competition still 
uh, finishing high and winning those two state championship, adding on to her two that she won last year. That's great. And, and, and she's just been a special athlete there at Riverheads in the girls track side. She has. And, you know, this district has been blessed in so many different sports, but it seems like track the past couple of years, we have just had so many yeah. athletes find ways to win state championships. And I, you know, look, as a person who was not incredibly athletic in high school, the idea of somebody bringing in two track and field championships is amazing. I know there was some pole vault uh, stuff going on uh, from people who were there tweeting about it, uh, some issues. So I just want to say that's awesome that they were able to overcome that in Summer Wallace. And then, you know, looking ahead a little bit here, but Leah Wood at draft winning a pole vault state championship as well. Just congrats to both of those ladies. Yeah. And, and Abby uh, Mikolay there also went in first mm-hmm. in shot put. So a lot of good action from the field events for some of the local teams. And, you know, I, this, you've seen good tracks since you've been in this area, and, and I'm glad you recognize that. But it's not new. I mean, it's been happening. I know when I was in uh, high school long ago, you know, 20 years ago, uh, you know, it was really strong in track then, Riverheads particularly, but Buffalo Gap used to have battles and, and Wilson and Fort and, like, and Draft. I mean, so many good uh, track stars. And, and Stanton. Stanton also performed well. And it's, it's nice to see that continuing. I know Stewart's Draft on the boys' side, Aaron Nice getting that uh, first in the 300 – uh, hurdles. I mean, that's a player, you know, that's what I always like, like to watch for is these players that are good in multiple source and then what they can do on the track season. So you see Aaron nice on the football field, you see him on the basketball court, and then he gets to the track season and still able to perform at that high level. And it was efforts like that, that led Stewart Strap boys to a state championship last year as a team. Now unable to get to that spot this year, our highest finisher this year was the Riverheads girls team finishing third, but you know, a lot of good action there. Uh, from class one and class two at JMU at Liberty class three ran. And we were really looking at Stanton's cable. Uh, He was setting some high marks on that high jump. Um, And as a junior for him to, you know, set that high bar uh, literally in this case for the high jump and kind of make a name for himself. You know, I I was glad to see him do that this year. I I was, you know, I, I'm sure he's, he's disappointed of how he finished, not able to meet that mark again at the state tournament at the state track meet. But here he is as a junior. He's going to be able to come back and build off that momentum he built this year. So I'm really excited about going forward what he's able to do, as we'll talk about him a lot next year uh, throughout the season. And also Summer Wallace and and Abby, uh, you know, we'll talk about all those athletes that next year that are coming off these individual, uh, you know, state uh, championships for most of them there and see what if any of these other people will be able to uh, get them now. Yeah. And uh, like you said, I mean, state champions are are great, but for Cable, I mean, he's definitely got another year to yeah, to build on his success that he's already had, and I'm sure he'll be motivated when he gets back there next year. And, you know, uh, look, for, for Mikalei to be back and next year, too, she's going to be looking for another shot put state championship. It's just this – these state champions, one, it just seems like they reload, but also they're not empty in the chamber by any means. Right. They, a lot of – some of these athletes are coming back, and – you just have to really hope that uh, folks in this area are appreciative of that and not taking it for granted. Definitely. All right, looking ahead, uh, let's move it over just real quick. Let's talk about uh, the NBA before uh, we kind of get into our uh, closing segment about what's dominating our lives and everything. But the NBA, not necessarily dominating my life here, but uh, the Celtics win game one. How surprised were you with that, Joe? I, I, I know you and I both talked about 
you know, was it going to be a sweep or a gentleman's sweep for Golden State? You know, a gentleman's sweep is still on the table, but how surprised were you with the Celtics were able to go out, get game one on the road? I was surprised they were able to win, period. I was surprised they were able to win after falling behind double digits because I kind of just figured watching that Heat Celtics series, like I said, it just seemed like both teams kind of emptied the chamber in that game seven and they were done. Like they were spent physically beat up. The Celtics are coming in injured, hurt against a fairly healthy Golden State team that has not been pushed to the limit yet. And they fell behind early. They fell behind pretty big early. But then they came back and found a way to win. And that's a great win for Boston. Game two is, you know, tonight as we're recording. So we can't tell you who wins that. But, um... Yeah, I, you know, I do wonder if they're going to be able to give Golden State a series now just because of what they were able to do in game one. Um, I, I, you know, I still like Golden State to win the series, but maybe, maybe it is a six-game series. Maybe it's not a gentleman's sweep. Yeah, I mean, it surprised me to win game one. I think I, just to be different than you said, maybe six games there, but I didn't have a lot of confidence in that. But I, I think they showed a little bit of the roadmap to winning more games in, in that single game. Now things have to go the same way. Smart has to be scoring points, not something he does every single game. And they're going to need that out of him. When he scores like over 20, they win. And when he doesn't, they lose. So we, you know, that's something to watch. He can be kind of the barometer as this series goes on. Yeah. And I think it is going to be interesting to keep an eye on that and see how Boston progresses. I will say golden state needs to win tonight. You cannot go to Boston down. Oh, two. I'm not saying it's impossible for them to come back and win the series, but man, it it really puts you in a going to be a seven game series kind of mode then um, if you drop both home games to start. So, yeah, I think it's important for Golden State to kind of come out and I, I think it's important that they blow Boston out in game two. I, I think they need to embarrass them um, because otherwise, if you let Boston hang around and you barely come away with a win in game two. All of a sudden, you got to go to Boston, and that's going to be a raucous environment. And it's just, then you're the team going across the country to play. And man, there's just a lot that goes into that. And I know the NBA Finals have apparently built in extra off days, which that's that's kind of standard. That's I hate scheduled it. Scheduled to be bad for a while. Yeah, just get it's it over TV. with. Yeah, but just get it over with. <laughs> well, they'll have the Sunday night primetime game uh, for Game Two. But I know hockey has been dominating your life uh, as well as other things. But I know you're always keeping an eye on the hockey for your, you know, financial investments there. Uh, how are my Lanch doing? Your Lanch are up 3-0 in what was supposed yeah, to are. be a fairly good series. Um, they are absolutely beating the Edmonton Oilers at every turn. Uh, Connor McDavid, who wants to kind of lift up what has been, uh, you know, a sore spot in many Canadian fans hearts the fact how long it's been since a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup uh and he wants to be you know start having his name thrown in the conversations of greatest players to play hockey and maybe best players in the game currently well his team's down 3-0 and the Avalanche uh have have won absolute slugfest sometimes I mean game one was nine to six which was insane um Game two and game three have been more reasonable scores, but the Avalanche have won those. And uh, it, 
man, the Avalanche looked like they are potentially going to sweep Edmonton. And then you have on the other side, the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that I thought would win a series against the New York Rangers. They're, they got a game-winning goal late in this one and game three to make it two to one. So they're in Tampa now. It's possible that they even up this series and it gets 2-2 and then you're looking at, you know, it's series back on. But mm, right now, the Rangers winning the first two games at Madison Square Gardens was epic because Vasilevsky had never lost back-to-back playoff games in his career. It broke a streak of like 19 straight wins for the Lightning in the playoffs after a loss. So it, it was a big win mentally for the Rangers to do that and kind of mess with the psyche of the Lightning. But as I said, they go back to Tampa Bay here in Game 3, and the Lightning do find a way to come away with a win after falling behind early. But the pressure is definitely on Tampa Bay right now. And Shesterkin in, in goal for the Rangers has been fantastic this postseason. He has matched Vasilevsky so far in this series. That's going to be – it's kind of funny. In the West, it's, you know, a shootout every night, and you're, the question is how many goals are going to be scored. And then in the East, it's which of these teams can find a way to get past the goalies because they're both just so talented. Should set up for an interesting final with those two different mm-hmm. styles uh, being played right now. Yep. So moving over to what's dominating my life, I, I know I'm going to say what's dominating my life. I know it's dominating your life more, uh, and I'm going to set you up to talk about it. But last night – on Saturday night, I have the college baseball has been on default all day, ever since Friday. And it's, you know, if Virginia Tech's playing, that's the game on. I might have multiple TVs going on, depending if they're on the ACC network or not. And then I have the squeeze play on as much as, as I can. You and I have been interacting while we're both watching the squeeze play all weekend. But then I also have the VBL on, Stanton's home opener. I have that on my iPad you know, with the audio and video from Stanton over Facebook Live, which is a great addition to Stanton Bray's coverage this year. And I get to hear Joe Deck's voice. I mean, what's better than that? So as much as I do the three, four TVs, four TVs at March Madness, I'm kind of doing that this weekend, kind of on the fly. I, you know, it wasn't, it's, it's not as organized as when I do it in the spring for basketball, but I had the multiple TVs going. I had the iPad going. I had uh, Virginia Tech's radio feed playing through my Bluetooth speaker over top of the video from the Virginia Tech game because I appreciate people that are actually in the ballpark calling the games. And, you know, hearing Evan call those games always always yeah. good because he's covered the team all season. So, um, well, we I have all that going, but I still keep in track of the, uh, the VBL where you called both Stanton's opening games and you continue to all season where they split against Waynesboro they, with the road teams winning those games. Yeah, the uh, opener was a great night for Stanton. Pitching staff had 13 strikeouts. Joe DeLosantos, a returner to the Stanton Braves this summer, hit a home run and what ended up being a 7-1 victory for Stanton. They had a combined no-hitter going into the seventh. Um, And then game two of the year was the home opener against Waynesboro. Stanton jumps out to a 6-0 lead in the sixth, scoring all six runs. And then in the top of the seventh, Waynesboro gets half of them back. In the eighth inning, they get the other half back. And then in the ninth, it's a solo home run from Bogert. And that was the difference. Uh, Stanton had the tying runs in scoring position, had the winning run in scoring position um, there in the ninth with runners at second and third, but could not get them in. And uh, Waynesboro ends up surviving that one after a pretty amazing comeback where 
that was just a night where the Braves bullpen let him down. I mean, they had a six nothing lead. The starter goes six innings, and as soon as the bullpen comes in, it got a little rocky for him. But uh, you know, I know the first guy that came out of the pen was I think he had pitched three innings in college, and so not a lot of work this year. So you you do probably chalk that up to just needing to get more work as the summer goes on, and as that goes on, he'll improve. He yeah. Well, he'll improve, and um, <laughs> I imagine he'll be fine. It just takes uh, more work for him to get more used to pitching again. You know, it's it's hard when you're called into a situation and you haven't pitched in months. So I, one question I have, because I'm, you know, used to going to Stanton Braves games. Uh, how was the atmosphere between the two nights there? One night at Waynesboro, who I know they have good crowds, and then – you know, coming back to Stanton on the second night, how was the home crowd on, on Saturday? Both were packed houses. Um, you know, I do think a lot of that has to do with the two teams being separated yep. by, you know, however long it takes you to cross the border from Waynesboro to Stanton. Um, a little bit so, of 250, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, it, yeah, it, it's close for both fan bases, which I think helps. Obviously, opening night, you're expecting a large crowd to – um, Stanton, as you know, has been mentioned, uh, opens a beer garden this year. That seemed to be a big hit. So, uh, not too big a hit. Yeah. No one got in trouble that I could tell. So <laughs> that's good. But, um, yeah, I, I think that definitely helps into the, the high attendance on, in both of those games. And hopefully that can continue throughout the year. Cause that's really what the Valley league needs more than anything is to keep getting the crowd out to enjoy these games. Yeah. And Stanton usually does traditionally have good crowds uh, for the home games there. But, you know, the other part of that, and I, you know, also dominate my life. Like I said, this weekend, just absolutely college baseball on every minute. I probably drove my wife crazy because she's not into baseball as much, especially on TV. And it's been on the TV nonstop all weekend. So I apologize to her um, wow. on this podcast that she doesn't listen to. And uh, we'll see, you know, if I'm able to do that in person or not. Um, Same but- like a Michael <laughs> Scott situation. I would never tell this to her face. But I, I apologize. <laughs> She's a wonderful person. And yeah. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, I've I've been ate up with it, just watching it every chance I get. I love the um, the red zone of baseball there in the Squeeze Play channel. And yes, it you know as bumpy as it can be because you're you know you're throwing these people together on this first weekend of the tournament who's probably not sat in the room too much with each other. It's still good. You're still flopping between the games. You're still seeing all the highlights. You're still seeing the finals. You're seeing the big moments, whether it's live or, or soon after, and I've really enjoyed it. Now, obviously, Virginia Tech dominate my life uh, a lot more as I've watched every pitch of those games, and they've scored a bunch of runs, and I know they'll play here Sunday night. We're recording a little bit before that, and so I'm, I'm optimistic about their chances in this Sunday night region championship against a team they beat uh, 24 to, uh, what was it, 24 to 6, the final last night? Something like um, that. 24 to four. And you know, it, that, you know, the opener was nice because they scored a bunch of runs, 15 runs, but did give up the nine. So I was a little nervous going into Saturday. Like they need to contain that a little bit better. They hit from the beginning of the game on and it was only a one, nothing game. And then they were losing one to two headed into the fourth. And I'm, and they just had so many runners left on and Evan said it on the radio. It seems like they're kind of on the, on the brink here. Like something's going to get going for them. They keep putting too many guys on for more runs not to be happening. And then, you know, the floodgates opened. And with one out, I think they scored – they had hits on 13 straight batters um, and included 
some non-errors. They counted them as hits, but, you know, left fielder, center fielders having all sorts of troubles with the lights trying to catch fly balls. But they score 14 runs in that fourth inning and put the game away right there. I mean, you just you just don't have any real hope after that. And there was 40 minutes where no out was recorded for the Virginia Tech offense there. So it was the, one of the wildest things I've seen at a high level of baseball. I've, you know, I've never seen that in Major League Baseball. I've watched a good amount of college baseball, but, you know, not, you know, I'm not glued to it every year. I know Virginia Tech being in it's really brought me in more so this year. But that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen, you know, without it being Little League. And that was my quote at the minute when it happened. I was like, this, this is Little League out here, the way the ball's bouncing around and then so many hits. But just a real dominant victory for the Hokies there who are looking to, you know, lock in a super regional next week at home where they would maybe see Oklahoma or uh, Florida, depending on what happens in that region final. And uh, I'm just, I'm hoping we can get that. I'm not saying I'll be satisfied if they just make it to that. I want to win that too. But, you know, the way they've played in these first couple of games here in the, uh, you know, opening regional, you know, they're paying off what they've done all season. And, and I appreciate that. And they'll, and they'll face stiff competition next week if they're able to, you know, win one of these next two games here uh, in this first regional, uh, you know, it, it's everybody's going to be good by next weekend. You know, there's not going to be any bad teams that sneak through. So I'm, I'm really excited about the Hokies who are just hitting a ton. Yeah. Um, man, yesterday was kind of a day where there were a lot of blowouts uh, that Virginia Tech one sticks out. Georgia beating Hofstra 24 to one was another one that caught my eye in the Chapel Hill regional. But um yeah, and then today, I mean, you had Oklahoma State beat Missouri State 29 to 15. They were down 12 nothing, came back and won 29 to 15 in what turned into a game where the pitchers, I guess, were putting it on a tee. Um, it didn't look like that on squeeze play, but you know, when as you said, that's little league stuff there uh, with the way the ball was carrying. Um, and this UNC VCU game looks like it's on pace to be 100 to 90. So. Um, yeah, it's it's a ton of college baseball going on. Um, we're going to talk about the uniforms more in depth here in a minute, but I, I do want to say, you know, VCU getting to the region final and actually having that advantage over North Carolina, uh, winning in the the first time they met in the winners bracket there, four to three in a exciting game was awesome. They have been continuing to roll. They've won seventeen straight uh, going into this region final. They only have to win one of the next two. Uh, to punch their ticket to a super regional, which looks like it will, you know, it could potentially be Oklahoma State, uh, but we'll see. Again, it could also be Arkansas because Oklahoma State uh, lost to them the first time they played. So um, either way for VCU, you know, getting to that super regional would be quite the accomplishment. And uh, last yeah. night against North Carolina was one of the biggest wins in program history. They're looking to sure. find a way to get an even bigger win and get into a super regional here. Yeah, and they're and they're in the upper hand here. They're playing Sunday night, trying to win, so they don't have to play that if necessary game on Monday. Um, but they, you know, have to lose two in a row here to be knocked out, and so that's an advantage for them. So hopefully they're able to do that. It's going up against the advantage that North Carolina has playing it at home. But uh, right. rooting for VCU definitely for for your sake, sure. Um, and but then also we had UVA. They were in yep. it. Uh, they won their opener, but then they did drop the two, uh, getting knocked out by Coastal Carolina. Um, and so East Coastal Carolina. ECU playing for that regional uh, championship there. And, and UVA, you know, that was a team that had its ups and downs this season, but had really come on strong. So you were waiting to see if they were able to build that momentum through the playoffs. And, and you know, they weren't getting smoked 
in these games, but they just didn't come up with the wins when they needed them, and so uh, they're done for the year. I was going to say, I think they had runners on either bases loaded or runners in second and third against yeah. East Carolina yeah. when they came up short. Coastal Carolina was a walk-off situation, so it is heartbreaking to go out like that. But, I mean, as you said, that's a team that's been up and down all year. They've got a lot of young, good players, so they'll be back again next year even better. So yeah. uh, plenty of good things going for the folks in Charlottesville. Um, Virginia Tech, as you said, they're hoping to – lock it down tonight against Columbia and um, I see Columbia you know they switch the jerseys you know after a 24 to 4 beating you switch you switch the jersey you don't wear those same uniforms back out there the next game and uh, they're in those dark uh, well we'll see here. I mean they only brought so many with them and well no 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 I mean I'm saying probably from the not. last game they weren't wearing these so they already made the change now what what they do if they're able to force an, another game we'll have to see but they, I, I bet like, they don't wear the same jerseys they wore to, earlier today. Yeah, I think they'll stick with these darks if they win this game. I bet you they play in the same uniforms in the next game. That's that's what I would bet. Uh, but, yeah, not playing in what they played in last night uh, for certain. So I, uh, I see that out of them with their uniform choice there on the Columbia side. Speaking of uniforms, let's bring on a fellow uniform aficionado, to break down these region by region, even some of these teams that are eliminated now, sadly, uh, what my favorite uniforms were and what our special guest's favorite uniforms were. All right, the special guest, not going to make you wait any longer. It's my cousin, Chris. Chris is a fellow uniform aficionado, but the reason that we're bringing him on is because usually we have different tastes. So... But I am curious because you, you, I only tweeted out my favorites, and then you said we only had six of the, what is it, 16 regions? Only six of them were the same favorite number ones. But I'm curious if our number twos make it any interesting uh, or make it any closer. Leland is on here to be the arbiter, whether uh, Chris is right or whether I am right. So let's start the next And right game. there, right there, Chris, you're, you have the upper hand. Yeah, because Leland's like going to pick said. you just yeah. because he hates me. Um, so I, I Leland's got good taste. That can't be it. Um, let's start in the Knoxville region. My favorite was the Campbell Camels. Full disclosure, their uniforms remind me of the Orioles, especially with the panel, white panel front hat. Uh, when they go with that uniform. So that is the reason I went with that. If I had a number two, it would be the Volunteers. It was close. I love those smoke gray uniforms they have. Uh, Chris, Tennessee was actually your favorite. It was. It was. I think we actually had our one and two swap because Campbell would have been my number two. Yeah. Looking at him. Um, not a big fan of like the mustardy gold colors. Um, so yeah. that puts bumped the oranges up. Um, just had them flip flop with you. Sure. Okay. So I'm so I'm I'm going with Campbell because of the hats. The hats is yeah. what sways me. That hats really pull it strong there. All right. If you're keeping score at home, that's one for me, zero for Chris. All right. <laughs> Statesboro <laughs> Regional. Sure I was supposed to be one of these. Yeah. Nope. You'll probably <laughs> win later. Uh, Statesboro Regional. This is the ugliest region in terms of uniforms. I think. Um, I went Notre Dame because I kind of like the green uniforms. Uh, oh my goodness. I actually don't hate uh, the cream looking ones with the blue sleeves and the navy blue with the white ND logo either. Um, Chris, yes. I cannot remember. I think Texas Tech maybe. Texas Tech was my one. I love the red and black. 
Yeah. Red and black is yeah, a red strong and black. color combination. And Leland was, wasn't going to side with Notre Dame, so I knew I was going to lose that one. <laughs> yeah, red, red and black is going to win out here. Not pictured. I kind of like the gold batting helmets, too, from Notre Dame. But uh, Texas Tech would be my two. Chris, if you had to pick a two. My two would have been uh, UNC Greensboro. Surprisingly oh, enough, I don't, I don't hate that yellow. Um, yeah. I'm not big on the Notre Dame. I don't love the green, um, and nothing really does it for me. Right. What's up? Uh, oh, it's Georgia so. with Georgia State up there. That one with that has the state of Georgia in it. Like, what's up with that? That is the ugliest uniform. That school <laughs> should burn all their uniforms and start over. Um, and unfortunately, JMU fans listening, you'll get to see a lot of it because they're in the Sun Belt. Um, let's go to Texas in the Austin region. I picked Air Force here. Uh, Air Force is one of the few schools that is allowed to wear camo. Dallas Baptist wears camo in this region. They're not, they shouldn't. Um, but I like Air Force's blue camo. I kind of like all their uniforms, if I'm being honest. Um, and so that was my number one. If I had to pick a number two, it would be Texas. So our twos match because my number two would be Texas as well. But my number one is going to be Dallas Baptist and no. those sweet unis. No. They're real guys, camo. It's ugly, and they should not be wearing camo. Yeah, camo is not going to get me there. Uh, I, as much as I like the DBU on the front of the uniform because I like that when they pump that at Virginia Tech on the scoreboard. I mean, the Air, Face, Air Force is pretty – clean uniforms across the board. I, I, I agree with Joe in this camo talk, but Air Force is going to get it there, and I'm never going to have a problem with them wearing camo. So, All right, two to one me. Wow. This is a bit of a shock. Okay, now this, the Greenville Regional, my favorite region in terms of uniforms from top to bottom. That being said, much like their chances of the four teams, Coppin State had the worst odds. Um, any of these other ones, I went with East Carolina number one because that Pirates in gold – that's kind of the cursive uh, that has the curve. I love that uniform. Um, the hats are kind of simple, but I don't mind them. Now, this is where Leland's going to be mad at me. If I had to pick a number two, Ugh. I think it'd be UVA. I like their uniforms. I cannot save me. Do that. I thought out of principle you would not pick UVA. <laughs> hey, I cannot help it. So my one was ECU as well. Um, I like the ah. difference. Color combinations, um, everything like that. I actually like the blacks probably the best, um, but I do, I do like the cursive pirates. My number two would be coastal. Yeah. Uh, so what's what's wrong with coastal? Like with ECU, I feel like their football jerseys do a lot more with the purple and yellow. And I was kind of underwhelmed by what I saw up here for baseball uniforms. That coastal, I like all of them. I, I like that, and I like that green. Reminds me of like '95 Mariners. I'm I'm. I know ECU wins this one. It's the unanimous from you two guys, but, I mean, Coastal is where I would, would have been at. So, I, My problem with Coastal is just, I don't, it just, the fact that Coastal is on all of them, I don't know, almost bothers me. Like, there's no. Well, you can't fit the Chanticleers across the chest. Put the logo on it, then. Like, the Chanticleer logo. Oh, they could put it on. Yeah, None of these Sean. other ones have their. Uniform, their logo on them. Yeah, because they don't need to. I don't know, man. These look clean to me. No. They're okay. They're third. Like I said, I I mean, I don't want it to get misconstrued. Like, I like their uniforms. It's just they're not one or two for me. 
It is strong. It is a strong region. All right, let's move on to College Station. This one kind of started a streak of one seeds for me in in the tweet that was shared that had the uniform graphics, and I'm sure Leland will put those out so our fans can have a visual to go along during this part of the episode as well. But for me, it was Texas A&M 1. If I had to pick a two, I think I'd go Raging Cajuns because what you touched on earlier, I do usually love the red and black. Um, but I like Texas A&M's, especially when it's Aggies in the cursive. And even the Texas A&M in cursive is all right, too. Um, that's why I had Texas A&M I don't, A&M know. I don't not like that. Okay. I don't like that cursive Texas A&M. I do not like that. Yeah, there's way too many uniforms for Texas A&M. Um, I mean, you could go through three weekends and wear not even the same uniform. I like that. Um, so I, my number one was TCU. Um, I like the purple with the white. Um, they don't go too crazy with anything. Um, nice and clean across the board. And then my two would also be the Rage and Cajuns. Um, going with my solid red and black. So I'm choosing between the Texas schools there and I'm going with the Horn Frogs. I could I could have handled a Horn Frog being on the front cover of one of these, on the front of one of these. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I uh, think the cream ones would have been better served with that. I I don't like the TC. It's too much like the Twins logo. Which is maybe what they were going for, but I don't like it. I like I like the Twins logo. I like the Twins uniforms, so. Yeah, but it's the Twins. Um Okay, moving on to the Louisville Regional. I think I picked Louisville, but upon further review, gosh, I don't know. I hate all of these. Maybe this is the ugliest region. Um, You know what? Mm. I'm going to say Louisville, even though they might also have the ugliest uniforms. The majority (laughs) of their uniforms are good, so I will give it to Louisville still. And I'm going to switch my number two. I would pick uh, SEMO, as they were being called on Squeeze, Southeast Missouri, as my number two. But I hate the black with gray letters and white outline. So I'm going to go Michigan as my number two. Interesting. Interesting. Louisville has that same uniform. No, they don't. It's pink. Yeah, how do you like that pink, Eenie? I don't love it, but I'm sure it probably is for breast cancer awareness, so I'll allow it. When they don't play in October, yeah, they but, play on Mother's Day. Oh, <laughs> you're right. That's probably that's probably exactly what it is. Don't don't take us back, Cleveland. I my number one was Oregon. Um, no. Yep. You know I'm a sucker for some Oregon unis. But what they don't do anything here. Like this is the this is the biggest like. They, they got even stuck. They they're the they first got, one to get the logo. Like you guys have been. They having. got. Yeah, but otherwise, like. They're not even do anything. Like it just seems too basic. I like I do like the duck, and I might remember that here in a second. But it just seems like a wasted opportunity. I don't like My the number- fact that that green uniform can glow in the dark. I mean, I don't know if it literally can, but I feel like it could. Yeah, so you can see your teammates if no. the lights go out. You need to hit the cutoff, man. I mean, <laughs> could you imagine <laughs> ball smoking the cutoff, man? <laughs> As good as that ECU region was, this one is bad. Um, I, I just Sorry, there's I, too many bad. Yeah, I cut Chris off before he gave us his number two. My two uh, is yeah, Michigan's my two. Yeah, good call. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Leland, you're picking between Oregon and Yeah, I wish you guys, one of you would have selected your second one because I'm probably going with it here. I'm actually going to side with Oregon in comparison to Louisville just because oh there's too God. many bad uniforms. There's, I mean, the Astros uniform that they have there, not good. I don't like what they did with the American flag uniform. I, I It's weird. And, yeah, that the pink stripe ones, if you're going to do something with, with pink, that's fine, but I, I don't like that uniform. Uh. Yeah, the Tequila Sunrise uniforms would have been better served using black instead of that, I don't know, pink that they threw in there. Um, but the old English font uniforms I love, the black, the gray, and mm-hmm. the red with the white lettering, I love all yeah. of those. The duck got me. The duck got me. He, he made yeah. a good point. The duck got me. The duck's lame. All right, going to Gainesville. This one is, again, not another one I love the uniforms in. But I went Florida uh, because I think the orange and the blue uniforms are really sharp looking. Uh, even the one with just the F logo, I don't mind. And the cursive, I, I don't have strong feelings for it just because it doesn't look that great. But um, And then I, I, I don't know. I'm surprised. I wish they would have put the gator on the hat. But I, you know, that's about the only complaint I have. If I had to pick a number two, Oklahoma. My number one's right there with you. I'm with Florida. I think they have the best yep. uni in the region. Um, a nice variety. But all the way across the board is clean. My number two would actually be Liberty. That baby blue sucking you in. That baby blue sucking you in. You, you got to gotta look at what else is there. Yeah, I mean, nothing's like special about them. But they're nice and crisp. And there's there's enough variety with the color plays. Um, like you said, it's got that baby blue, that powder blue um, to give you a nice mix up. So that's the way I'm leaning. All right. Blacksburg, well, Florida won it. Yeah. Blacksburg region. This was not hard. Virginia Tech has the best uniforms in this region by far. Um, oh, if if I had to go number two. Huh. I don't know. Fire. Um, Gonzaga, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Ugh. Josephine. So Columbia was my one. I don't know if like just to Ooh. get on again, I didn't pick Virginia Tech. <laughs> it's the best by far. <laughs> There's very good possibility that subliminally I just can't pick things that I knew you would like absolutely use. Um so I went Columbia one. Tech would be my two. Um I do like their uniforms. So I think that I may subliminally just picked it um without even well i'm 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 gonna realistically pick virginia tech uh because of course i would but i agree with joe's number two with the zags i like that zags across the chest and they have the powder blue so but Hokies Hokies win this region like in real life yeah um so that's three for me two for chris all right going to the stanford region this was one that, again, I don't love any of the uniforms in. I'm going to pick Stanford as my one. Uh, and I guess go Gauchos as my two because they put Gauchos on there in a font that's kind of cool looking, but I don't really love it. Texas State's out because they use camo. Otherwise, they'd be maybe number one. No. Yeah, no, they're not number one. Santa Barbara. The Gauchos are number one. Mm. And then number two is Texas State. 
I do love those unis. Not huge on the camo, but that's why they're number two. Ah, that's these are these are tough. That's another rough region. I it Gauchos. is a rough region. Wow, three three. I think Leland did that just to tie it up. I will say Texas State if they were the gold ones, like almost exclusively, I'd be a fan. I like their middle ones that have like the uh, the logo on the them. Bobcat. Yeah. Uh, College Park, I went Maryland. Uh, I like all of these uniforms. Uh, the yellow one's probably my least favorite, but I like all their uniform choices. The The Deeks would be my number two, and the reason they're number two is because their bright yellow is not... I don't associate that color with Wake Forest, so I think they should get rid of it um, or make it the faded gold kind of like the one that has Wake Forest on it, and then they would have been my number one. Maryland also needs to incorporate the Maryland flag somehow into these uniforms better. It's on the sleeve. Yeah, but I, it needs to, like, I don't know. I need it more. Do you want them to make their uh, baseball hats like their football helmets? Yeah, honestly, yeah. It, really? That was being sarcastic. I don't <laughs> hate it. Ugh. Maryland is my one, anyway. Oh, um, no. Yeah, so Maryland is Maryland's my one. My two would probably be Yukon, just because I do hate the bright yellow Deacons jersey. It's just so out of place. <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. Yep, you guys chose it. Leland, you sound like you didn't like Maryland. What did what was your number one? I just I I this is probably real life bias coming in where I don't like Maryland. So oh. I I'd have picked Wake. Well, can't help you there. I like that old C on Yukon's. Like I like that one jersey, but I probably didn't think it wait. Mm. All right. Chapel Hill number one with a bullet. The VCU Rams, obviously. No chance I'm not gonna pick that. Um my number two. Oh this is a good region in terms of uniforms. Uh Hofstra's out. Uh <laughs> I'm going to say Georgia because of the red and black. And I like what they did by incorporating the G on the red and the black uniforms. But, man, I like Carolina's uniforms, too. Those are sharp. Yeah, my one was also VCU. Um, they don't yeah. pay me, but I do like their uniforms. Um, so I think they're the, they're the clear-cut one. Um, Agreed. I'm right there with you with the twos. Um, could go either way. It's really a coin flip but I would probably lean Georgia just because I like the red and the black better than I like the Carolina blue per se. Yeah. Agreed. I think, I think you crushed, I think we nailed that region um, of the VCU uniforms. I think I like the uh, black with Rams the most just because it has that nice yellow trim around Rams too, that I absolutely love. But I mean, honestly, like They're all hot. Yeah. I was going to say, I think VCU's done a great job with their uniforms, and that's not just uh, me saying that because they pay me. Um, no, the best uniform that they have is that first black one. Um, oh, yeah, you do like that one. Yeah, that's the new ones. Yeah, you do like those. All right, Stillwater region. Now, this one was – this is another fairly good region. But my favorite, the Missouri State Bears – and wow. it's because in a uniform of crowded excellence, 
the what makes them stand out is that black uniform to me with bears in white and then the white sleeves and maroon stripes uh, down like the uh, armpit area. I love that uniform. That jersey is the best one by far. Number two, I would say Oklahoma State. Uh, if we switch bodies, you would pick the gaudy, ugly black ones. <laughs> that is usually my go-to is the things that look super obnoxious. But my number one is Grand Canyon. No, not a real school. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's also a national treasure. So, I mean, have some respect. Yeah, the landmark Grand- I like. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but I like the purples. Um, I like the way it blends in with the blacks, too. Um, a nice mix. My two would also be Oklahoma State. Um oh. I do like the orange going there with the black. I think my or- the oranges would surprisingly be my favorite, even though they look a little off. But I don't like the maroons. I don't love the black with the weird football pad shoulders. I love it. It's my favorite one. Leland, you are choosing between well, Grand Canyon and yeah. Missouri State. While I don't like that black one as much as you do for uh, the Bears, I'll take the Bears there and side with you. I don't like Oklahoma State at all. They, they'd be my fourth out of this region. Wow. I hate I hate that baseball bat below the word Oklahoma that says State in it. I hate that. I hate it. <laughs> hate it. Hate it. They want to make sure you know they're playing baseball. Yeah. Okay. It's to separate from <laughs> any other potential sport that they could be playing. I will say it, though, too, on Arkansas, that Razorbacks, that's really aggressive there. I, I like that. I wish they didn't have that yellow hat for I don't know why. Yeah, I must be. I'm assuming there's like a cause. Or Arkansas something. thing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, all right, going to the final four regions now. Coral Gables. This one was easy for me. This was Miami. I like the majority of these uniforms. And to be honest, that old English style M on the hats, I can't get enough of that. Oh, I think oh, the orange bad. one might be my favorite. Bad news, Leland. I am right there with him. I do love the Miami unis all over the place. Plenty of options. Um, and I think my faves are probably those blacks with that beautiful M. Mm, that's interesting. I don't mind it. I'd say that's. I don't even know if that makes the podium on mine, though, because I have the orange ones, one, the hurricanes in green, two. And then the U three, and then the black. The, or- the oranges would be my second. My, I don't know. It's probably a toss up for my third. I'd probably lean towards the uh, green with the Miami and the white. Yeah, that's interesting. I love the hat. If, if I'm if I'm watching baseball in Miami, I want 1997 Florida Marlins uh, uniforms. I I don't want this t- terrible green here. Wow. Number twos in this region, I guess we should go ahead and do, I guess, Ole Miss, because I like the baby blue there. Um, yeah. But, man, I hate their hats. Yeah, the hats are weak. Arizona might pull it back up just because just they're strong. Yeah, but I hate their hats, too. Make a red bill on that yeah. blue hat and a blue bill on the red hat. Why is that so hard? My two is Canisius. Oh, Canisius? Yeah. Yeah. The Griffs. <laughs> There was way too much talk about not knowing what a griffin was on squeeze play for 
my liking today, but E. Tear Griffin. So we don't need Leland. You said you hated Miami. It sounds like is Canisius your one, or are you going Arizona? I'd have gone Ole Miss. I know the Hats brought it back down, but mm. the Unis are solid. Hattiesburg. Oh, now I remember who I picked. Army is my one. Uh, I like the font that Army has for their athletic programs. Uh, and so that being on all these, the great uh, color combinations on the uniforms is my number one. If I had to pick a number two, it'd be LSU. I am right there with you. Army one, LSU yep. two. I think it's pretty cut and dry. Um, don't love the Southern Miss Unis. No, that's Any- ugly camo, or I don't know what that blue one is. Tie dye. Tie dye. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Army's good. A lot of yellow in this region. A lot of yellow. A lot of yellow. Auburn region. Florida State. The gold, the cream, the garnet. Just love it all. I mean, I even like the white uniforms, if I'm being honest. The gray ones are okay, too. I, I, I think these Florida State uniforms, if I had one complaint, the red that has Seminoles in red, Seminoles should not be in red. I don't like the lettering being the same color as the uniform. But that's my only complaint on a pretty strong uniform collection there. Number two, Auburn. And that's only because UCLA has the Boston Bee on their hats, and I hate them. My one was Auburn. Um, those orange Good. speak to me. They tell me I am the winner. Um, my two, kind of a toss-up between UCLA and Florida State. I'd probably lean Florida State um, just because a little bit more variety, um, a little bit more to dip your toes in with. Um, pretty basic across the board, the UCLA ones. Just to, just to be clear, earlier that number of uniforms was too many for you on one of the picks, but Auburn is going to win this region. Wow. Um, I would like to point out that Florida State has eight, not nine, so they couldn't complete three full That's weekends. true. That was his point. That is where we fly. Sunday on the third <laughs> series, they would have to repeat. So Chris is okay with it. Shirtless. <laughs> oh, gosh. Who did I pick in this region? I got to look. Oh. One pick. Corvallis. Uh, I hate my pick. I hate this region. I guess Vanderbilt, but man, that the faded gold I like, the greenish gold I hate, and the black on black hate. It's like a military uh, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of an army green. Yeah, it'd be better if army had it, but not Vanderbilt. And the black on blacks, uh, I've already touched on that. Get, I'd, if your lettering is the same color as your uniform, you have committed a sin. Number two Spoon is like a true announcer. Number two, yes. Uh, number two is Oregon State. I guess. Well, they should be one. So you guessed wrong. Always, always pick the Beavers. Yeah. Good unis, a nice variety. You got your white, your orange, your black, your gray. Um. All different hats to go with them. You got a beaver on a hat. Exactly. Got to show them up. Got to have cool logos on there. The letters are plain. My two would be San Diego. Um, mm-hmm. 
I can't get in line with those Vandy unis. Um, there's too many I don't like to make up for the ones that are that are all right. I hear you. Some, somehow here the Carolina blue works uh, for the for the second seed. But yeah, Beavers all day. Okay, so that means Chris does win four to three. Uh, in the disputed regions, but. Yeah, I mean, some of these regions are great. Some of these regions are horrific. There are some teams that I know didn't make the tournament that I wish had just because I know I like their uniforms from past years. But, man, I'll be honest. My biggest beef with Oregon State in this since we're in this last region here, that last hat with OSU in orange, and then the bill is like, I don't know if that's white or gray. Either way, I don't like it. Um, it's great, great unis. Oh, well, don't do that. Have it be orange. I mean, I wouldn't hate it, but it's better than those military greens or the black on black. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I I don't like my pick. Like, I wish I could take some of these regions that are stacked in uniforms and move teams. But, ugh. Well, that was your NCAA uniform uh, recap that you definitely needed. I'm glad we were able to provide it. When it gets into the Super Regionals, you know who to be rooting for. I know day one my uniform teams were doing great. Uh, Missouri State looked great at the beginning of the day, but then, you know, I mentioned 29 to 15. Uh, That's a score that is hard to overcome. But that's the end of Missouri State, unfortunately. Hopefully VCU wins the Chapel Hill region since that was a unanimous number one. And hopefully Virginia Tech wins, because I think we got Chris to admit that that's really his number one. He just didn't want to admit it. I took care of it. Don't worry. And they're up 7-1 to one now, so we're in good shape. So they're going to go to a Super Regional to probably play Oklahoma State, or I can't remember who is waiting. Oklahoma for or Florida. Oh, that's right. Oklahoma or Florida. Oklahoma State's the other one. Yeah. Um, Florida's winning in the eighth right now. Uh, Florida's got to win, too. Yeah. I would be worried about that. Man, that's Leland, let me ask you right now before, because we'll know if the matchup happens. I want to get your opinion before. Are you a little bit nervous about the idea of playing Florida baseball after they eliminated Virginia Tech softball? I mean, they seem to eliminate us in everything. Uh, they eliminated us in college basketball a year ago in the tournament, too. So I, I, I'm nervous. I'm nervous equally for Florida or Oklahoma. They're both strong programs. So I, I, I don't know about more nervous. Um, I, I kind of, I look at it more as like we can make everything right by taking care of them in baseball having the hammer and Hokies take care of business. So bring them, bring them on. Let's go. Do you want Brent Pry to put the football team on the schedule? I want the football team to be standing on the foul lines, protecting foul territory and clean you, house. Okay. But do you want them on the football schedule? In, in in due time, okay. not this year. <laughs> I, I would agree. All right. I want I want Brent Pry coaching at a level to where no one's going to scare us, and I'm ready to take on any challenge. Uh, we got a we got a couple years for that. Yeah, love it. All right. Well, Chris, since you're technically a guest on the podcast, let's end your appearance the same way we do everyone's appearance. What love are you it. watching? What are some recommendations you have for our audience in terms of shows, movies? Oh, that's tough. Um, I mean, my go-to right now, Yellowstone, is an absolute mm. banger. 
Um, if you haven't watched it, you're missing out. You need to watch it. Get on Peacock. All four seasons are on there. Um, I don't really have any movies. I haven't gotten into anything here as of recent. Movie-wise, um, other classics. The Office is always a staple. Yep. I don't know if our listeners are aware of what The Office is. We never talk uh, about it. <laughs> we never talk about it. We say, <laughs> if they don't, um, I don't know how Joe remains to let them listen. Um, <laughs> we did a whole bracket review during the pandemic. So, yeah. Of the, our probably probably some of the most social... Some of the most social media traffic that we've gotten was from that bracket. <laughs> there you go. I was about to say, everybody, everybody who's somebody loves The Office. Um, I just finished Ozark. If you haven't watched that, that's always good. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of other things that I've watched here as of late. Starting to get into the morning show on Apple TV. Um, a good little drama there. Another good comedy would be Ted Lasso, if you've got Apple TV. Um those would probably be the things that I've been uh, getting into here as of late. Always different things kind of cycling through, but those are some go-tos. Well, I know that uh, Apple TV uh, I don't have, but I know Ted Lasso is one that Leland and I both like. I know we both like Yellowstone in The Office, so we're with you on that. I like Ozark. Uh, I don't think Leland's seen that yet. I just, I just haven't watched it. So, get into it. Saving. Also, if you get Apple TV... Just popped in my head. Severance. New show. There's only one season. Is that with Quick watch. Greg the Egg is on that? Um, I don't know if you have with, HBO. I have HBO. Okay. You watch Succession? Yeah, it doesn't. I don't remember him in there. He could okay, be in there. Then it's, it's it's, got, it would um, be the main character that I'm thinking of. Like when I see no, the picture. He's not the, main, the main character okay. is. Uh, oh, my God. I'm forgetting this. Ben from Parks and Rec, I think is who he is. Oh, it doesn't look like that in the picture, but okay. No, I'm not saying you're wrong. I mean, you've obviously watched it. I haven't, but no, I know it's I know it's that character. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Separate, I don't know what his name is. Yeah, I don't know his name either. I I usually address actors and actresses the same way you just did. Yeah, <laughs> Jim, Pam. Yep, Ben from Parks and Rec. No doubt. The only arguments there are is, like, which show they're known for. That's true. Sometimes. That means, that means you've done some things. Yeah. You know, like, if you're, if you're Ray Romano's wife and you're arguing between the wife on Ray or the mom on the middle, like, oh. that, means you're, that means you're doing things. Like, you're, you're on wife long-lasting on sitcoms. Yeah, no, she's, she's Romano. I, I know that. But, yeah. you know. Respect to her to be on multiple good shows. Honestly, if you watch The Middle and that's like how you know people, like, man. It was I, on a long I just time. can't. It was on... I know, but was... I, I cannot yeah. identify with you if you think that is like one of your favorite shows. I, you, yeah. Me and that person I, will just never see eye to eye on things. I barely watched it. You, My mom's a listener, so you might want to watch out. But I never watched it. Um, but yeah, it, it was. That's it was fine. A, a like, show. I'm not saying you're not allowed to like it. I'm just saying if that's one of your favorite all time shows, I just. No, I hear you. Be, my mom should go live in a bridge under a bridge. That's not that's what, what I'm saying. Said. She's not an MLB uh, umpire. <laughs> She's not an MLB umpire. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know how much common ground we're going to have other than maybe liking this podcast. Um, it's tough. Everybody, everybody enjoy the last podcast. Leland's mom's not going to let him come back on. <laughs> <laughs> how many times have this is might be the last podcast how many times have we said that out of nearly 200 episodes we've probably said it like 10 percent of the time 
Yeah. And it used to be the college football playoff that would oh, be goodness. the thing that would threaten to derail us. It might be Derek Jeter now, um, just because Leland likes to send messages about, oh, what about Derek Jeter's play? What about this diving catch into the stands? Chris, let me ask you. That diving catch into the stands, athletic or not athletic play? I mean, it's definitely a good play. It's definitely a oh my god, top tier yeah. play. I don't see it. Let me, let me phrase it this way, Chris. And I don't want to say on Derek G. Long. We've done this a lot lately. But here's your options. Joe says one of these. I say the other. I say Derek Jeter, not terrible and deserving of the Hall of Fame. Somebody else might say terrible, undeserving of the Hall of Fame. Which which one of those would you side on? I mean, I think I'm going to be unfortunately on Leland's side this time. No. <laughs> Look, he is <laughs> – you better he be careful. Is, he's on. He's on Twitter now. He will come after this. Good. One <laughs> I'm tagging of, him. <laughs> one of the worst defenders to ever play the game. Somehow his bat, like when you use his defensive war and then ignore his offensive war to combine his war, it it's it's awful handy for you. That's the way you use statistics, though. You only use what makes. I'm your yeah. Point. I'm saying he would have DH first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt. Well, he was he that. Chose to play he was that. In reality, he was that anyway. So, well, again, only because the media loves the Yankees, and Yankee fans typically don't know enough about baseball to understand anything not happening in New York. So, right. If Chris has something to say, let him say it. And then I don't. I don't want to talk Jeter anymore. It was you make the same points that because I'm right. <laughs> it's, no, it's he won just five like, gold gloves. He wasn't the in, best. He wasn't the best shortstop in any of them. He wasn't a top ten shortstop in any of those. But years. reality had him winning those. So you know, if we have ifs again, though, then like that's a case, like but. Leland. That's like saying Virginia Tech beats UVA, but UVA is better in reality. Some people would probably say that. Those oh my goodness, I wouldn't. Chris would wear a sweater, but I don't think I would say UVA is better than Virginia Tech. No, oh, well, I thought you might. I mean, I would say it strictly to get under your skin, but in reality. Uh-huh. <laughs> or you know what a great equivalent would be, Leland? Because this will get under your skin. It's like Riverhead's winning all these state championships, but a different coach wins coach of the year. That doesn't make them the better coach in the Shenandoah district. It just means they won the award because yeah, people I, voted on it. I don't think I've ever gotten too worked up about who the coach of the year was, so I don't. It's not under my skin. But I'm saying Derek Jeter uh, winning five Gold Gloves doesn't make him a good defender when the stats say he sucked at it. When when Waynesboro like actually wins games and he takes a team off the off the bottom floor and makes them win, I don't, I don't mind him getting coach of the year. That's that's not a good one because it's not under my skin. I thought it would bother you more, but my point nah. stands. You know, you know what matters more is those rings on his finger. So that's fine. Yeah, and Derek <laughs> Jeter's got rings, stop with Jeter. and that's fine. But again, if we're talking about his ability as a shortstop, he's right. not very good. All right. We've done this three weeks in a row, and this is why it's going to be the last episode we ever do. So, twenty-one <laughs> percent of the time. In case we decide <laughs> to have another episode, make sure you subscribe on Podbean, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. So you don't miss another episode. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Yak Sports Pod. That's Y-A-C Sports Pod. Or you can follow us on Facebook, Yak Sports Pod. Make sure to comment. Tell us what you think about the teams still alive in Augusta County playing for state championships. 
Also important, tell us what you think about the uniforms in the regional play in the NCAA baseball tournament. We want to know, and we will read your comments on the next episode. Uh, again, assuming we have another one and Leland and I haven't killed each other. So on that note, hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a great week, folks. Thanks to Coach Wood and Chris for joining us this week on the Yak Sports Podcast. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.